0: Do you play soccer or have a child that plays soccer? Are you targeting a prep school? Are you looking to play college soccer in the NCAA? Oliver Charles Sports Agency has you covered. Oliver Charles Sports is a soccer agency that helps with prep school, college and university, and professional placement. They work with a wide variety of ages and skill levels. Book a meeting to learn more. If you are a player or parent and need help, please click the link in the episode description and mention the Major Soccer Talk podcast for a discount. Welcome to the Major Soccer Talk podcast, another episode of American Soccer Talk. And my next guest is a guy who has been working with youth soccer for 10 years. He's a former college soccer player, director of goalkeeping for Tidewater Sharks in Virginia, coach of multiple club teams and high school soccer coach. Welcome to the podcast, my good friend, Justin Cook. Cook, welcome. Glad to have you down here in Florida, my first in-person podcast. Um, Tell the fans that don't know you a little bit about your background.
1: Yeah, Well, I think first and foremost, just a big big thank you to having me on the show. Uh, I love the Florida weather being down here. Um, for me, I grew up in a in a small town in Virginia, uh, Pulaski, Virginia, where the main focus for sports growing up in the area were football, basketball, baseball, and then and then probably soccer in that order. So we always really struggled with you know, feeling like we had support, whether that be funding, good fields, uh, or just quality coaches like is in most most small areas it seems like that's that's the struggle is finding you know good solid coaches to to grow the youth so being in that area uh, my club experience was with radford rowdies which i can't even remember the league that we were in at the time but it was very much one of those environments where all of the same high school players are all on the same club team and we were one of the few teams in the club that that us playing together all the time ended up being being super good, uh, and competing competing pretty well uh, towards the end of our high school years. Um, so that was that's kind of the start of it all.
0: I gotcha. So you know, talking you're from a small town, and you know, I've even noticed how much soccer's grown just in that area out in the western part of Virginia. Um, multiple clubs, growing, um, so I guess I want to know your thoughts on how you feel um, youth soccer has developed over the past you know, 10 years of your coaching and you know, even seeing it as you played and made it through college and all that.
1: Yeah, I think for growing up for me and I think for a lot, you're, uh, you're getting the coach that's, that's coming from the football team or that's coaching something else at the school, and maybe their main focus hasn't been been soccer. So I think the biggest change has been the emphasis on the coaching education, having specific, uh, specific soccer coaches that are um, developing themselves, develop, learning more about curriculum, uh, how to create a curriculum for a players, how to speak. To players about um their experience and i think it's important too as soccer has become more accessible for um for a lot of for a lot of people and it's become a more well-known sport that that's kind of helped coaches be able to go play in college or to play at the next level and obviously you have to have a certain sort of of knowledge and playing experience. I think to be, to be a good coach, you have to have, have kind of walked the walk, the walk, so to speak. So for me, the biggest change, and I think the most important change has been that we have soccer specific coaches who uh, are learning how to be soccer coaches. They're learning how to be better uh, in all, in all aspects, you know, the physical part, the mental part, the social part and, and as well as the, the psychological part. And that curriculum has really increased through U.S. soccer and their emphasis to focus on the youth. So I think that's been the biggest change. I had a great coach in high school, great coaches in club, but they weren't, they weren't soccer, quote, soccer guys. Uh, so their, their knowledge only was, took us so far. Uh, And I talk a lot with my players about I don't really need you to go to the next level. We want you to go to the next level. But if you're spending 12, 13 years in a club soccer program and then you think three or four more years in college. We want you to come back and coach. We want you to get a license. We want you to go back to your hometown or or go to wherever you want to travel and and start coaching the grassroots and developing people uh, from that area. I think that's. That's how, in my opinion, the club system, it's what it, it should be. It should obviously be an encouragement to get players to the next level. But if we're doing all this work and all this effort to, to just have them stop one day yeah. and not give back all of that knowledge, I think that's the biggest the biggest miss that we can have as club directors or club staff is not encouraging our, our players to get involved in coaching or get involved in refereeing. I think that's huge.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, I think those are great points. Um, you know, even if you're not involved at the top level of your club, you know, even just giving back to rec, I think is just as important.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I think, I think being
0: involved at, at some capacity.
1: Yeah. I think that thing's spot on, man. I think, I think, there's a very few amount of, of players that I've coached and talking to a lot of the coaches that I know. We, we haven't necessarily coached a lot of, a lot of these super high level. We're going to be on the Olympic team or we're going to the, on the world cup team. We haven't had those guys. We have a lot of the guys that are just, you know, they love the game. They're good players for the area, the regional areas that they're in. Um, so, Having, we need to be able to give them that advice that this may end one day, but it doesn't mean that it's a failure. I think a lot of parents can look at it, club soccer as an investment because it is finan- a financial investment. Yeah. Um, so if they don't get into the school that they want to get into, they need, they need to be known that it's not a failure.
0: Yeah. Um, you touched on, you know, club you know, the club level is getting more soccer specific coaches. How do you feel um the coaching certifications are now versus maybe when you first started? I know for me, you know, I did my F and my E, and now it's like you just get your D. It's kind of the baseline to be a club coach. They want you to at least have your D. Um, so talk to me a little bit about that and how you've seen it grown.
1: Yeah, I think I think the idea behind that is in the past, before, a lot of it changed. And there was kind of a uh, an honor system where if you played at a certain level, you could get tiered into a different uh, – you could get tiered into a different licenses. So you basically could start, you know, you would start uh, ahead of, uh, of another coach. So I like the idea that they came in and they said whether you've coached 20 years or you know, this is your first starting, we're all starting on the base level. And at the initial level, it is a lot of, you know, 7v7 uh, seven, seven seven and 9v7, or 9v9, nine nine, sorry, an 11v11. 11 11. Uh, you ha- you'll have a, an online component that you can pass, and then you also have to have an in-person to be able to take your next license. Uh, you have to have two of those, two 9, uh, nine aside uh, an 11 aside. Two of those online and then also two of those in person before you can even take your D license. And then we take your D license, obviously moves up, C, B, A. The A and the B, I know I have have directors in the club that I've talked to. It's very, very competitive to get in. Uh, It's mostly determined for full-time club staff. Uh, I think if you're you're coaching a U16 team at your local club, I think the expectation that you have an A or a B license probably is going to be very tough to accomplish that. Um, so if you're just getting in, and we always kind of talk about giving back, if you're just getting in, you know, you're going to get in at the grassroots level and you're going to be able to take some stuff that might just seem tedious. If you've played a lot, if you've played a high level of soccer or you've coached for a while and you go take these classes, you're going to say, oh, this is boring. This isn't teaching me anything. Uh, but U.S. soccer does a really good job at tiering them. So when you're when you're done with your D and you head into your C, they're not going to reteach you that the stuff you learned in your D, right? The expectation is going to be that you have that, mm-hmm. so you can just step right into the C and take it. Um, that's where I'll be on next, onto the C. And is there a time
0: frame for those? Like, uh, it's, usually like it's usually a year.
1: It's usually once you get to the C, it's a year. There's uh, a couple. Uh, I want to say off the top of my head, I think there's two in-person, two or three in-person meetings. I usually have a a couple assignments each week uh, that you'll have to knock out and get done. But I think right when you get to probably the C, that's where you're getting into full-time club staff that are really needing to to have that. Mm -hmm. And... It, it can be frustrating, obviously, for some coaches, because you know you might not get in or you get in, and it's a time commitment and whatnot, and back to the you might think it's stuff you already know. But that comes back to the, the financial component, right? If we're asking parents to pay you know 800, 1500,, 2,000 a year, then they need to see that we are, that we are professionally developing ourselves. Yeah. Because what, sh- what differentiates us from a rec program, and the first thing is, is obviously that the coaching licenses, expectation and professional development that a club a club can offer.
0: Yeah.: um, got next here. Um, the club soccer, especially in Virginia, has changed so much. And so, you know, we were talking a little bit before. Um, how are the leagues now? I mean, I know they they have that National League. Um, mm-hmm. And so, is that kind of the top tier for club teams, is being in that ECN, ECNL, or?
1: Yeah, I think that's all in, in who you ask. Right. You know, um, most of my experience is working with, uh, ECNL regional te- regional league teams okay and then obviously in Virginia we have uh, the NPL mm-hmm. um, which is our more localized league and that was formerly VSLI NPL came in and, and kind of took uh, took that over so to speak we also have in Virginia we have the Tassel League which is the Tidewater Advanced Soccer League and that's that's if we're thinking of pyramid that's kind of right before rec and the main thing with the leagues i mean right now now the leagues are uh club based so in the past they've been if you have this really good team you can put this really good team in this league you know you know, regional league if they're a really good team so that's all been changed now it's, it's club based because what we've seen is you're putting you're putting a lot of emphasis in this one good team or this second good team what about all the other teams you know are they getting kind of thrown to the side, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So being club-based, your whole club is getting put into specific these specific leagues. So at Tidewater Sharks, we have a partnership with Virginia Legacy, which is the other club in Williamsburg. And we have uh, combined our elite teams, our elite teams, and then all of our, our elite boys and girls, and then it's our entire girls program. Um, and they will play in the – East. They, they will be our ECNL National League – or, sorry, ECNL Regional League teams. Um, and then, obviously, our first teams at each age group for Sharks and our first team for each age group at Legacy will will be tiered accordingly, probably NPL um, Division I. What I've come to see about it, though, is every so often there's just popping up a new league. You yeah know, so there's m l s next i haven't had a bunch of you know knowledge with m l x next but it is it's right there it's it's i would say it's probably you know slightly above an e c n l national league a national league but that's not to say that an ECL national league team can't beat it i think that's for me is the most confusing part about our American system is you can just these leagues just pop up i mean they just created the sixty four which is Another you know, really competitive team that has it's 64 clubs. It's nationwide, um, and that's there's not like a real rhyme or reason or a certain pyramid where everything trickles down. So, and that's the question that a lot of parents will ask when they bring their kids to uh, to the team. You know, what league are we going to be in? What league are we going to be in? What league are we going to be in? Yeah, and you know, it, it's tough because we do need each kid to fit in the league where they can have competition have success and then obviously see that they can improve um so that's why having it you know club to club we can look at it and we can say all right you know this team's an npl one this team's an npl two this team's an npl three you know so on and and so forth so it's tough it's confusing for a lot of people um most of my experience is with our rain with our rain elite teams is ECNL regional league and then, obviously, with the Sharks, uh, you know, NPL, Division One, Division Two, so on.
0: I gotcha. So, you know, you talk, touched on a few of those leagues there. Um, and I'm wondering, do kids these days um, get any professional exposure? Um, you see in America a lot of youngsters are getting bought at a young age. Um, and, you know, I think – usl has even started their own academy league which i think Mm -hmm. it's more of a reserve style than uh, like youth teams but i think it's a lot of their youth academy that they're given pro contracts to try and you know keep them in the system and so i'm just curious if you've seen any opportunities maybe not in virginia but maybe in some of these more national leagues if they're more light on american soccer
1: yeah, I think so. I think now these kids are are really are really good with with the social aspect of it all, the social media aspect. Sure. Um, you know, I was I've been to these uh, an IMG showcase, some ECNL national showcases, and you know, there's coaches there's coaches all over the sidelines, and now there's been just in our area. There's um. You know, there's a lot of media now. There's a lot of of pictures being taken of these players, you know, as they're performing, and it's it's very the more accessible than it ever was. I remember you'd have to look up – when I was playing in high school, you'd have to look up our scores in the newspaper. Yeah. You know, and now it's just a quick tweet. This guy scored. Oh, he's on a hat trick. And it's just all readily available, and there's a face with the player and, and the stats. So I think – the kids now are really good about making sure that stuff's clean, making sure the media is clean, making sure that um, they're, they are presentable. Um, and I think that helps. I think you know they're getting the highlight videos, they're getting the exposure. So it doesn't really need to come from you know, a club or the high school team or whatever. They're very individualized now so that's another conversation where what does that do to their mentality but I do think it's good for them I think it's good that they have um this exposure and then they're able to see you know I mean even at the ECNL level I'm seeing you know this kid scored the goal and then they got his little you know they have his his profile like they, yeah. they just linked it it's to It's almost it. like
0: branding yourself right Yeah
1: it's and it's great and I think the sooner with with NIL for college and with You know, soccer being, I feel like if you're a football player or, and I could be totally wrong here. I feel like if you're a football player or if you're a basketball player, you know, there's more of an idea there that I'm going to go to school to try to go professional, to go into the NBA or into the NFL, right? Like, because the two best, the best leagues and maybe even baseball is the same way. That those are the be- the best leagues. For those are in um a- are in America, yeah, right. So it's very much an idea of I'm going to go to this great D1 school and then I'll get drafted. Well, I don't think that our college system is is set up that same way for you know our players to go to the MLS. So being you know being able to create that individual uh, kind of market and individual brand for yourself is going to help you get to those you know, the USL teams, the USL academies or just give you create and give you these better opportunities that I think that's why you're seeing players that are most of our most of our really talented young players are going overseas now um, and they're not going to four year universities. Yeah. Um, You know, a lot of a lot of these a lot of the teams that I see around us in college, it's there's a lot of players coming from outside of the United States. Yeah. Um... Yeah.
0: You know, touch. I feel like this kind of leads into my next question here. Um, You know, America's pro system has really expanded lately. Um, And you know how England's set up. And, you know, we got MLS, obviously, is kind of the top of the pyramid. You got USL Championship, USL1. Uh, There's a new league called NISA, which I would say it's on the same level as USL1. And so then you got USL 2, which is just your summer ball. Mm -hmm. And the NPSL is summer ball. But, you know, you got all these leagues. And, uh, you know, I'm curious, you know, do you think we could get to a point where we see more local clubs having that top team in a a league? Um, You know, someone like a Rain FC putting, hey, we're going to have a team. Uh, yeah you know that's East has a team or, I've,
1: I've joked I've joked a lot with with our staff and some of my friends around there that you know the, the players that we have we could we could create a really good a really good USL you know USL setup for us um, I think you know I think I think the biggest the biggest pushback on that is the financial part because it does cost a sure. significant amount of money join those leagues, I think could be totally wrong. But I think I I think I looked it up one time and it's you know fifty or so thousand just just to kind of, you know, start the process and then you have to have a stadium and you have to have staff, like an actual staff, not just a coaching staff, but Mm -hmm. staff to run the facility. So I think I think you're able to do it if you're in an area where there's there's money and where you have fans that would be able to come support and kind of have ticket sales. You know, if you're around a school with a bunch of colleges, like you can have success because you can have players coming in that, uh, you know, aren't going away for the summer and can come back and play. Um, you know, I guess in a perfect world, it would be every club has an ECNL national team, they have a regional team, they have NPL one. Trickles down. And then ECNL hey, national, hey, when you're done with that, you go into. I don't know. Maybe it, it create like a USL, a USL Championship, or or whatever, and then compete. You know, I think, I think, I think it's getting better. And you know, I think just last year or two years ago, uh, the Lamar Hunt Trophy, Sacramento was in the final. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this year, um, I
0: think we they had two teams make it to the semis or quarters.
1: So that's that's an idea of what it could look like. you know that's an idea what it could look like um but i think it's tough i think the reason england the reason france the reason spain the reason a lot of these countries were their system is all connected and it works is probably just due to size i mean it's it's a much smaller you know much they're they're much smaller countries than where we are where you could have you know an ECNL national team here in Florida, and then you could also have an e c l national team in California and if those are the two best teams that's you know that's a six hour flight away from each other to play so i think I think it's just tough based on um, the distance we have to travel but I think it's improving yeah um, and i i'm not i I feel like sometimes I can get very uh, trapped in my small virginia bubble so you know, I might not be one hundred percent correct on everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I I would like to see us get to a point where you know you have your top league. Let's just let's just stick with USL because I think they're setting up right having multiple mm-hmm. leagues. Yeah, um, which is why I've really grasped uh, an interest. Also, moving down here and watching the rallies, um, you know, it's it's decent level football and. uh you know, I I think you could almost have it. You got your top league that's national. The league next league is more national. And you could even when you get those lower leagues, you can make it regional, kind of like England on their like what their fifth tier. It's north and south. Yeah, and you know you can almost do that east and west. Um, it's probably makes more sense for American soccer, but um, mm-hmm. you know you could do something like that to help these smaller clubs and it grow. Um, I think that would be a realistic option because I think it's going to be a while. You got to get the soccer specific stadium. You've got to grow the fan base. You've got to have the community the sport has to grow. And, you know, I think USL is doing it right because they're making teams get soccer specific stadiums.
1: Yeah. Uh, which a, I yeah, think a great is idea.
0: huge. And, you know, they're, they're getting that community and, these small stadiums, so it's nice to see. Um, be interesting to see how it grows.
1: You know, it, it is a business. You, yeah. you, there has, you know, there has to be money made. You know, to be successful, because mm-hmm. if 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 it didn't matter, and you know everything was just, let's just have a great idea that doesn't make money. It just doesn't. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, you look at some of these USL environments, man, and it's. They're great environments. Yeah, Rowdy's, like they get like it's people. It's very regionalized excitement mm-hmm. because, you know, in some places, there's only so many professional sports teams. You know, there's only, you know, so many MLS teams, and they're still, they're expanding and they're expanding and they're expanding. Well, that why are they expanding? Well, that's because... These cities and these towns want it; they're 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 craving it. So you look at some of these USL environments, and like five thousand people, it's packed every single game, and the chance, and you know that's. So if you would you have to make it regionalized, like you're saying, I think there's a lot of success there, and that's what USL is doing. And I think MLS, if you look at the cities that they've went into more recently, right in Austin right? Austin, you look at their, their, uh, their stadium and the way it works there. Like, it's very much like this is our thing, you know, and that's in Texas where you have a lot of sports teams, but in Austin, like, you know, it's a booming city, but you bring the team in there, they're packed out all the time. Yeah. You know, you look at places like, you know, Portland and Seattle always have great fan bases. Yep. And, um, I think that's, you know, you, you, you create that just deep-rooted interest from the people that live there, and then you can kind of branch out and go from there. So I'm sure those those MLS teams have, have done a lot for youth soccer in, that, in the area. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's the most successful way to do it is kind of like you're saying, like, regionalize it
0: because I think the thing is, is once you get big enough, it can be national, but there's levels to it. And, you know, some of these teams they got to start small, and eventually, like I know USL League One, I don't think they have, but maybe 12 teams total. But in USL Championship, they got 12 on the east and 12 on the west. Yeah. And so, like you grow, you grow that USL League One league. You add more teams every year, and you know. But MLS, they're doing the MLS Pro Next is their second league, but it's just, you know, they're reserve teams of these MLS teams. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to build a fan base for reserves, you know. Yeah, it's tough. Um, so it's it's a little, I, I wish we could fall under one umbrella and just one league and yeah, grow from it's, there.
1: It's tough. It's, it's tough.
0: But going to my uh, next question here, do you think – we could get to a point where kids choose pro routes over college. Um, you know, with more of these teams popping up, I just think it's more opportunity for, for players, you know, especially opportunities we probably didn't have when we finished playing.
1: No, for, I, I, I feel like it's already happened. I think we've already seen it, you know, yeah. um, uh, I think if, if your desire as a, as a soccer player is to go um, to to maybe make money and, and do this for a living, I, al- I often feel like it, it, your, your best bet might not be to go to college, you know? Um,
0: Especially because it's hard to get an NIL deal with soccer um, in college. It's not the biggest sport.
1: Yeah, but also,
0: yeah. you know, we talk about branding. If your social media game's good, you can get those deals. But on the flip side, if you don't have a big social media following, you, you might have a better chance going the pro academy route and trying to get in the first team.
1: I think, I think if, you, if you are a good enough player, I don't, I don't think you end up at a um, – if, if, if you're potentially going pro, and I could totally be wrong about this, I, I don't think you go to – you're coming to college or you're going to a college in america you're probably getting seen and, and, and in in that way i feel like a lot of the people that i played with and a lot of the kids that i've coached that have played you know college soccer whether it be at the division one level or at d2 or d3 or naia a lot of a lot of the soccer players that i've coached have used their talents on the field and and merge that with good academics to use it as a way to get, to get a really good education at, yeah. good, at good schools. You know, a lot of the kids that we end up coaching, um, end up at the D3 level, yeah. you know, in Virginia, whether it be at CNU, uh, you know, Roanoke college, Lynchboro college, all really, really good academic schools. And also some of the best, some of the best D3 soccer teams in the country. Yeah. So you're not going to a CNU to go to play overseas in england like you're using that as a a platform for you to get an education and um uh that that doesn't mean that all all and this comes back to the point i was making earlier like as a you spend all this time in club well all right you're not going professional but is it still worth it and i think it is still worth it because um, you're using it to help get you that education and, and, and play go somewhere where you can enjoy yourself you can be more than just a profe- a soccer player or more than just a student you get to do it all yeah but I think if you want to go overseas to play I think that's your best bet um, to just to just skip the college route yeah and just and just go right you know but you, obviously that's that's who you know that's being identified yep and you're usually identified probably younger than you are older.
0: Um I'm going to switch gears here and go into national team talk. We've been talking grassroots up to college, pro, pro leagues. So I want to cover some national team. We signed a new sporting director from Southampton. Um Matt Crocker, I think is his name. What do you think of that signing, um, you know, he was part of Southampton when they had Bale, Oxley, Chamberlain, Luke Shaw, Ward Prowse, um, just some of the biggest names there. I mean, there's more than that that made it out of that academy that are still playing at a high level. Um, he was part of England FA from 2013 to 2020. Then he returned to Southampton. Uh, they're still producing talent. So... I'm curious thoughts on him joining a national team. Uh, have you seen any thing on him or listened to anything he said? Because I saw one thing where he was talking about he wants to learn the culture because it's such a big country. Yeah. Um. So he's very involved already. I like to see.
1: No, it's awesome. You know, I don't. I don't know. You know, I probably not don't know uh, a ton about that. I just just from someone that's been around or, you know, lived in, lived in this country and, you know, watched the soccer from, you know, from the days of Brian McBride to Landon Donovan to, you know, Alexi Lawless and all these guys to seeing where it's at now. I think the biggest frustration for, or my biggest frustration for years and maybe even uh, can't speak for everyone is just, I, I feel like there's been such a, a nepotism to the culture of you know u.s soccer we've always hired from within we've always hired the buddy we've always hired someone that knows the culture we've never wanted to really um go out and reach and find someone else and so, the first one we really did that with was klinsman yeah. and klinsman came in and he changed everything he changed the way we thought about soccer in the country he changed and i'm not saying that you know, everyone wasn't planning to do that, but he came in and he was one of the big proponents of the coaching education and yeah. changing those things. So, you know, I'm all for bringing in a fresh face, bringing in obviously someone who was at Southampton during a time and their their youth and their academy is, is well-regarded, um, you know, worldwide. They have, players, they have players everywhere. Yeah, I'm all for bringing in a new voice and – and new opinions, and and new ideas, because I think um, if, I I always think about it, if you're you're in a, if you're in a culture, if you're in a club, and, you know, everyone's always agreeing with each other, and everyone's always saying, uh, saying the right thing, or, you know, this and that, I don't feel like you're ever going to, going to change anything, you need someone to come in, and kind of stir things up a little bit, and, and yeah, I, I respect wanting to, Kind of change the or see the culture and see how it is, but also you know you know where where do we need to pr- need to improve um, yeah and for me it's just you look at all the all these best these best countries in the world and their national teams and and they're hiring coaches that aren't from there yeah and um, I'm not saying that you you shouldn't be American, but if you're the best American coach then that should be an option, right? But us as us as an American, we we have all the all the facilities, all the funds to get get the best people. Yeah. So I think this is this maybe the first kind of idea of that of maybe that nepotism kind of shifting where we're saying like, hey, let's get other people.
0: Yeah, yeah and I think I think you got to look at it too. I mean, they they just cleaned house, right? McBride left, Ernie Stewart, I think it was his name, was involved. Mm-hmm. He left, um, you know, Burholter, his deal, which I'm going to touch on. Um, so it's kind of a fresh start almost, and we're hosting the World Cup in 2026, which is huge. So I want to uh, bring up, we also hired Onwehu, uh I don't know if you remember him, center back, Oguchi. Yeah, on Gucci Onwehu. He played overseas um he actually i'm pretty sure he played for clemson um so he's played at the college level he's played overseas and you know but he also also knows american culture so he's the vice president of sporting director i don't know what that title is but whatever he's working side by side with this guy matt crocker from uh southampton um and So, I guess, what are your thoughts on signing him? Do you think that's a good um, pairing? You know, you got someone with the European experience plus the American experience, and then you got someone that's purely European, but he was at a club level, and he worked for England FA as well. So, you know, he helped grow England's uh, national team, in a sense.
1: Yeah, I I think, you know, I think, Having that experience and 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 being and wearing you know an American kit and being on the field and, and, and is is some knowledge and experience that would love for him to be able to pass on to to the youth that we have. I think we have a young, exciting team. You know, so being able to to kind of help help them turn into you know you know true professionals and and, and leaders, I think you know, that's why I think that that would be a hire that would, that I would, that I would make. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously someone who's played at a high, at a super high level and has the experience and, and knows kind of knows how things work. Yeah. I think, I think, I think there's a, it, it just feels like there's a plan, right? It feels like there's, there's an idea. It's yeah. not like we're just kind of throwing Throwing things at the wall and hoping it sticks. There's actually a a, a plan to it and, and putting, putting the right people in place to make the right decisions.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I was excited at first, you know, got two new faces in here. They said they were doing a hiring process to replace Burr and then they bring them back. Thoughts. I know me not happy. I think, we have Jesse Marsh available. If we're gonna go domestic and have an American, he's the most experienced American coach. He's coached overseas, he's coached in Champions League. He's been at the highest level. He's kept leads up in a relegation battle, which is tough to do as a manager. Yeah. Um, and I think he has the most experience, credibility, whatever you want to call it. And we didn't get him. Couldn't convince him or I don't know what happened, but we're bringing Burholter back, which I want to remind everybody the the Gio Reyna drama, you know, they called him out for kicking his wife, the Reyna family, blackmailed him, and all that. So it's like, and Gio just had good performances without Burholter there. So how do you mend that relationship and where do we go from here? I don't get the rehiring. We got one of the best talents we've ever had in Gio Reina and you bring the, this toxicity back.
1: Yeah, I think, I think, you know, as as someone who who works works on the club side, and, and you know, and works with with seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty year olds pretty regularly. Um, it's I, I you know I f- I find it tough to me that that we would that uh, you know at any any club or any nationality would put put a player over the coach yeah. um so that's my that's kind of my standpoint in it you know that I'm just from there and you know I think Gio's young I think you know I'm, I'm hopeful that, that that's something he would learn from you know he's obviously you know a great talent probably one of you know the most promising stars we have right now I think would be uh you know would be something that would that it'd be pretty easy to say that um, the whole, the whole thing is just, is just weird to me. You know, I think it comes back to, you know, Gio wasn't performing in training and, you know, Greg probably feeling some pressure, you know, it's a world cup. Uh, I, I feel like the media pressure that's given to him probably forces him to think that he needs to make himself, um, you know, have a bigger voice or, yeah. you know, be tougher on, on the team. So. You just you have to know in your teams who can you kind of be the carrot and who you can you know come on like I know you got it but who do you need to be the stick to and and obviously I think geo has has proven that he's probably not the stick right he wants to be catered to he wants to be and uh you know and, and that's like a lot of young players especially young really good young players they don't want to be tell they don't to be told when they're performing badly right they don't want to be uh, kind of discouraged or, or Gio's big thing was being called out in the group. Um, and as, as Burhalter, you know, and, and I think maybe he knows now, right. There's very few players you have on your team that you can, you know, air out their, their drama in front of the whole locker room. Right. Um, you know, me at, at, on my high school team, I don't, I always say, you know, I'm, uh, praise in public, uh, you know, and then, uh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna destroy you in private right i'm gonna get i'm gonna you know bring you over and i'm gonna i'll I'll talk to you me face to face direct tell you exactly what i need exactly what you're doing wrong i'll look you in the eyes you look me in the eyes when we're done it's and i love you you know you go on yeah um so i you know
0: i I think it's a little bit on his parents too though that whole thing i don't know how much he was involved in spilling that tea yeah
1: i mean stop me if you heard this before but you know uh, parents cause issues on oh, club yeah. soccer teams
0: yeah dude i mean well, that's, <laughs> i mean i feel like that was just that whole situation was just a definition of soccer in america like parents getting too too involved
1: yeah and and it i happened mean at our
0: national team level that was the most shocking thing well, about that whole thing yeah,
1: the the fact that it's happening at that national team level Goes to show you can you can see where there are the the cracks or the problems at the very base of the foundation. If it's happening, it's happening here, and it's. I, I don't think it was encouraged. There was a couple right. of weeks there where you know it's like, well, Greg, this and you know, and, and I don't I don't know who's right. I don't know who's wrong. It's not my place to to choose there. Um, right. I, I just know that the rainas are now gone. Yeah. I think. Um. So, if if you just look at it and you remove how you personally feel about Greg, yeah, as a coach or maybe the tactician that he he's limited as a tactician or technically struggles a little bit with his team or doesn't get the best out of players, if you just look at this specific issue and you know parents and families, a uh, parent and family tried to blackmail a coach to get him fired, the coaches. After the process, the coach is still there. It has appeared that the coach didn't, didn't do any wrong or the wrong that he did wasn't as um, you know, drastic as initially said. And the family that accused him has now been removed. I think that's success. Yeah, I think that we should be able to look at the system and just maybe the morality part of it, trust it, so to speak. Yeah. Now, we can get into a conversation on if we think he's the right coach.
0: Yeah or I mean, not? What do you... But
1: just this, just that topic. Yeah, right. You're right. We do, we should defend. We should defend our coach. We should defend. You know, and um,
0: I agree with that. I think
1: obviously players have a voice and players are important. None of this would happen if we didn't have players as coaches. Yeah. None of this would happen if we didn't have families. Yeah. Um, and players. Uh, but you just you you can't. There's there's just ways to go about it, and yeah. I think it's just.
0: That whole situation sucked. But I think regardless of the situation, you fire Berhalter. Is he actually the guy that can get it done in 2026?
1: You know, I I wouldn't be, you know, surprised if there was – if it went another way, honestly. You know, I know that that's the plan is for him to be the coach in 2026. Does that mean if he comes – if he comes out the next, you know, the next few games he's in charge and doesn't do well, do I think his, his, his leash is much shorter? Absolutely, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think there's still, an, uh, there's still an, uh, an opportunity that he's not there. Um, I I think he's probably our best option. Um, just with his knowledge of the team – I think it's really tough. You don't want to be structurally switching things up this close to a World Cup. I think that's part of the fear. Yeah. Like I know it doesn't appear close, um, but it happens fast. You know, well, yeah, it, it yeah. happens really fast. You got those breaks. You know, we don't have to qualify, which is good. So, you know, those those games, I think, um, lifts a little pressure. There's there's a little pressure, but there's not like we, we don't have to to win, and we're we're still in the World Cup, so I think that is going to give him a little bit more freedom to kind of really focus on what he wants to do. And I don't know if bringing someone in, uh, someone else in, was was the right idea. So he'll have my full support, um, you know. And I think I think the World Cup is going to be very important. Yeah. For soccer in our country and I think we have sure. to have a, we have to have a good showing. Um what's, what's we need bottom, stars. What's
0: what's bottom result? What's the worst we can do? And it's successful.
1: Oh, I mean yeah, I, I think
0: I, I would say you'd at least have to make a semi.
1: A semi final? I don't I, um, I don't I don't think that we have the team that can do that. I, well, um, I'm just. I think am being
0: optimistic of where we could be as a team, talent-wise. You gotta think we got a lot of most of our starters are playing at top. Teams. We
1: we do, we do have we do have quality. That's what I'm saying. So um, I think if, our, if I you're think our three depth... years
0: down the line, you're hoping Holistic's at the top is game. Way is at the top. Rain is at the top. Pepe is at the top. Or uh, Balgone Balgon or whatever the guy we just got from Arsenal. They're I, at the top. Yeah, I think Chris I Richards. I think an
1: eighth. I, th- I or sorry, I think I think being in a round of eight can be can be labeled a success. No, at home because at home, at, as I think I think the rankings right now have us as like an 11 or a 12th. So you know there I think there are still seven teams in the in the world that are that are better than us on their day. So I think I we think have
0: to have our day though. We're at home.
1: Yeah, I, I think our biggest thing that's gonna that we're gonna need improvement on is is the depth of the squad. You know, I think we'll we'll have a good one through, you know, thirteen, fourteen. Yeah. I think we'll have a really good one through fourteen. Yeah, but in those tournaments, you know, it, it happens all the time. Who's that? Who's the guy that you didn't think was gonna play a lot that that you know comes in and and changes your changes your team around? I mean, you look at. You look at the previous World Cup, like, everyone thought McAllister was good at Brighton, you know, and then he goes out and he has the World Cup that he has, and then now he's, you know, a big money move to Liverpool. Yeah. So who's, who's that guy for us? You know, is it Balogun coming in and, and, and being, a, being a, a great striker for us?
0: I honestly think we need someone at center back to show yeah, because I mean, I Tim, Tim Ream's
1: 40, 41 years old. You he's going
0: to be 40 going into that World Cup. And, you know, I've been a big critic of his, but, I mean, he can't last. I'm I mean, still going to yeah. be a critic because I don't think he lasts. He proved me wrong, but I don't think he's going to prove me wrong in three years.
1: I mean, him and Anthony Robinson were Fulham's best players.
0: I know. And uh, so, I mean, I think we got our outside backs locked down. Ro- I mean, Robinson and Dest, I mean, that could – those two could lock down that position for a while. Um, Chris Richards is there in center back. Carter Vickers, you know, where does he end up talent-wise in three years? Because, I mean, you got to think, defenders kind of develop late, so you kind of hope for the best there. Joe Scally just had a good performance, an outside back, so another one. I think, you know, we could have some depth by the time we hit that three years, but... There's just so many factors, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I honestly think if we don't make a semi-final, it's a disappointment. And I only say that because we're home, we're in our home court.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: if we draw, if we have a crappy draw, then I would probably change my mind. But we'll see what that looks like.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I, I think it, it needs to be, it needs to be getting. Getting a, a win or two in the knockout stages, I think, to have any any happiness. I think, I think that's our responsibility too, as a fan base and as a country. You know, I remember at Belgium, you know, playing Belgium, where Tim Howard had all those saves. It's like we were just happy to, to be in it, to be in it, yeah. to, and just happy to be out of the group. And it's we're not that anymore, you know. The, expect- That's what I'm saying. I think the expectations the just... expectations have to change, and when the expectations have to change, is as fans and as a yeah. country, then the performances also need to change.
0: Well, I mean, I just saw an article: Has USA made that jump? Because we just made Mexico look like they weren't even close to us.
1: Yeah, Mexico's Mexico's. But,
0: you know, they're saying they're on the down. Canada, they're having issues in their country with uh, their pro leagues. They have no Canada. Canada and... has no money. Yeah, so. uh,
1: has no money they, 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 It's interesting
0: because I feel like they were kind of on the up, and now they're. It seems like it could go back down.
1: They are wow. they are doing crowdsource funding, yeah, in Canada to pay their women That's in the insane. in the World Cup. Um. So yeah, I think you know, I think I think there's a lot of countries who are around where we are, who you know. Eleven to twenty. Who, you know, I uh, I, are are their coaches significantly better than our coach?
0: I think Jesse Marsh is the only American coach I would say yeah. that I would take over Berhalter. But he yeah. hasn't. But he hasn't proven himself on the national stage. He hasn't. He hasn't. But, but also Berhalter was only an MLS coach.
1: He's been he's been fired as well. You know he is just he is he is newly fired so. Yeah, and and Marsh is a, a a super easily likable guy, right? You see his passion on the sideline, you see yeah. him defending his players, you see him running up and down. So all that stuff kind of helps you, you know, like the guy more, right? You know,
0: yeah, but he's also passionate.
1: He's American. He fights, and I think Berhalter's a little bit more reserved, a little bit more relaxed and calm. I'll so. say
0: this: I think Berhalter's won his locker room because those guys played their ass off, and they. I mean, they looked like a team, and it was just the assistant there, right? They probably still feel – and I think I read something. They still feel like Burholters the coach. So
1: it kind of makes sense. The fact that the rain of stuff happened and then all the players are coming out, you know, and defending it. Yeah. um, I think that that's a relationship that that can be mended, you know, and that comes back to if, if the coach is professional, the player is professional, as a man, like as a man you should, if you if you forgive, you just forgive, right? You yeah. don't you don't hold on to a grudge or whatnot and, and a player shouldn't and you know, the Pulisic and the McKinney's and you know, the the Tim Reams and the, the leaders on that team and that turners, they need to get to get to GO if, if he needs it, right? Yeah. And uh no man's like, I think, I think if Berhalter could have that back, he goes right to Tim Ream. Right. And he says, I need you to talk to Gio. Yeah. Right? As a leader, as a captain, as someone who's played a significant amount of time. I think that's, that's just a better way to handle it. But he's, he's coaching on the national team for a reason. Like, he has success and he has, he has the knowledge. But I think if he could do it over again, he would do it over again. And I think that's why he's given, you know, another chance.
0: Yeah. Well, Kurt. That's all I have for you. We're at 54 minutes. We're maxed out. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, I hope the fans enjoy it.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks so much. We appreciate it.